Hi there, and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and I am so grateful that you're here as a proactive parent to help your child get the natural resources on your journey to recovery from autism. And as you know, uh, my own son was once diagnosed with autism, and I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies. But my background as a craniosacral therapist where I studied the brain let me know that the brain can and does heal. It is a scientific fact. And I quickly realized that it was going to be up to me. So just like you, I was out there doing a lot of research and it took me over a decade, but I have figured it out. And today my son is fully recovered from his symptoms of autism. So now I share the natural resources that took me over a decade to figure out. And I also share them in a step-by-step process. And if you're interested in learning more about what that is, then I have created a free workshop webinar for you uh, that's online. You can go on to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. And that is titled The Four Stages to Naturally Recover from the Symptoms of Autism. And those are stage one, healing the gut. Stage two, natural heavy metal detoxification. Stage three is clearing the co-infections such as mold, Lyme, and strep, which are really common in kids with autism and often missed. And then stage four is brain support and repair. So uh, please, again, if you're interested in learning all about that and how I can help you, especially step by step, because I know how confusing it is, then please go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. And today our subject is going to be, again, we've been doing a series a bit on electromagnetic field pollution, but uh, this is going to be a little bit more on how it biologically affects uh, our bodies, human bodies, but also its relationship to autism. And our guest today is Dr. Martin Paul, and um, we're still waiting for him to join us, but I'm going to go ahead and give you his, uh, his biography now so that you have an understanding of who he is and his background and the research behind electromagnetic field pollution and how it affects our health and how dangerous it really is. Now, Dr. Martin Paul has a bachelor's degree in physics from Johns Hopkins University. He's Phi Beta Kappa with honors, graduated in 1962, and graduated with 180 semester hours of credit in four years. He has a PhD degree in biochemistry and genetics from Caltech in 1968. He was the associate professor at Reed College from 1967 to 1972. He is an assistant associate and full professor of genetics and cell biology and biochemistry, biophysics, and later a professor of biochemistry and basic medical sciences at Washington State University from 1972 to 2008, professor emeritus of biochemistry and basic medical sciences, Washington State University. He received nine international honors for research in environmental medicine, and he's the author of 103 professional publications, research since 1998 focused on mechanisms of chronic disease, oxidative, nitrositive stress, inflammation, mitochondrial dysfunction, other mechanisms, environmental stressors causing chronic disease, regulatory systems acting to prevent chronic disease, and chemical chemicals acting to trigger chronic disease via excessive NMDA activity. I know this is a lot of 
scientific stuff for you, but what we're bottom line going to get into is the mechanism of action action of electromagnetic fields via activation of voltage-gated calcium channels. Now, it's the research behind the voltage-gated calcium channels that has led Dr. Paul to, in his well-background, well uh, well-researched studies, to feel that autism is largely caused by this and due to electromagnetic field pollution. So um, I believe we're still waiting for Dr. Paul to join us, um, and hopefully that will be soon. Um, but there are some downstream consequences generated by, and I'll, I'll uh call this VGCC uh, so that uh, you can get kind of a, um, it, what that'll be the, uh, the term we'll use for voltage-gated calcium channels throughout the show because VC, VGCC is, or we'll just say calcium channels, is a lot easier to get into than, um, or to say than uh, the, long, the long term. But basically it's causing a lot of inflammation in our kids, it's causing oxidative stress, uh, damage to the DNA. Uh, it breaks down the blood-brain barrier, which is really, really important. As you know, that protects the brain from chemical and toxic damage and other things coming into it that shouldn't. And if that blood-brain barrier is broken down, then uh, then it's it can be virtually impossible for the brain to be protected. Um, so, uh, and then there's also a loss of melatonin that uh, that it, that uh, electromagnetic field pollution, also, um, which melatonin enables us to sleep. So it's really, really important. And he has in in the show notes that I've created for today um, at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash forty one. This is show forty one. I have linked to uh, some of the studies and research papers that Dr. Paul has uh, has given, and one of them. Um, I'm going to read you uh, an excerpt from, there were, he says, there were 10 biological responses, each of which have been widely reported and each of which can be understood as being generated by downstream consequences of VGCC activation and elevated intracellular calcium. Those 10 are oxidative stress, therapeutic effects, single-strand breaks in cellular DNA, as detected by alkaline comet assays, double-strand breaks in cellular DNA, as detected by formation of micronuclei, um, cancer, which can be generated by the same well-documented mechanism that produces inflammatory carcinogenesis, male and female infertility, in which DNA double-strand breaks have roles and possibly also calcium-triggered apoptosis, I always have trouble with that word, breakdown of the blood-brain barrier, which I mentioned, produced by oxidative activation of matrix (laughs) metalloproteinases and consequent degradation of tight junctions. And we talked about tight junctions before in another show where we talk about how it affects the um, integrity of the mucosal lining of the gut. Uh, those tight junctions as well. And then also loss of melatonin, again, uh, causing sleep dysfunction. So each of these has been widely reported, each of them in 
is serious and each of them can be understood as being generated by the VGCC mechanism. So it's really important to understand this as well. Um, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to, uh, we'll, we'll, hopefully Dr. Paul will have joined us by then and, uh, and we'll get into a little bit further on what we can do to, um, to help, uh, prevent this. I have also in the past, I want to say real quick, uh, done a, uh, uh, had an interview with someone who, with Corey Hillis, and he has created electromagnetic field protection, um, um, I'll say devices, but things that go on your cell phone, on your in your home, on your computers, and everywhere so that they can sort of harmonize. We don't say that they block, they harmonize that uh, EMF pollution so that they can actually, it can protect you, your body from them and your child's body, which are very important. And I've linked to it up uh, again in those um, those products and that page uh, for that interview on the show notes again at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 41. So stay with us. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Naturally Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about the effects of electromagnetic field pollution and how they distinctly relate to autism. And Dr. Martin Paul has joined us. I've given his uh, bio and his excuse me some of his background prior in the first segment of the show, and. Um, Dr. Paul, I know that the uh, the audience is definitely really interested in, you've done a lot of research, you've got a lot of genetic background, uh, there are a lot of studies out there that are really proving all, all of the things that we're going to be talking about. Can you give some more information on your findings and what you found that have caused the effects on the autism mechanism from electromagnetic fields? Okay. Well, I think you, you've already talked about the Boulder's Gated Calcium Channel mechanism and that that's the primary mechanism for action of the EMFs, that the and EMFs they, activate. Sorry? The audience will just eventually need a little bit more background on that. I gave kind of an overview, but I think they're, they're, they're okay. likely not clear on what that means, what Boulder's okay. Gated so, Calcium Channels are. Okay, so the Bolus gated calcium channels, which I usually abbreviate VGCCs <laughs> to avoid saying all that stuff, um, are channels in the outer membrane of the cell, the plasma membrane that surrounds each of our cells, and uh, and, and so they're they're protein molecules in that in that membrane, which when they're activated, they open up a channel which allows calcium ions to flow into the cell. And it's the excess of calcium in the cell that produces most, if not all, of the effects that are produced. 
as a consequence of that. And so, um, uh, when you, so, uh, normally, uh, calcium levels in cells are about one ten thousandth of the calcium levels outside the cell. So there's, there's a lot more calcium outside the cell than inside the cell. So when you open these channels, you get huge amounts of calcium flowing in. And, uh, and, and so normally we keep the calcium levels low, except for very short times when you let some in to produce a regulatory response, and then you chuck it out. The problem with the EMFs is that is they produce this uh, highly excessive activity of these channels, and that's, uh, I believe, what produces most of the effects from the EMF exposures. Um, and that's true with all of the EMF exposures, as, uh, all the way from millimeter waves that, that's, uh, that's starting to be used with 5G, uh, which I think are particularly problematic. Um, to through microwave, radio frequency, intermediate frequencies, extremely low frequencies from our power wiring, you know, 50, uh, 60 hertz in the U.S. and 50 hertz in Europe and so forth, um, is um, and even static electrical fields and static magnetic fields, they all produce uh, the same response, namely excessive activity of these uh, EGCCs and therefore excessive calcium in the cell. And so, uh, if, if we can go on to the autism question, there is a lot of evidence that excessive calcium has a, a key role in autism. And, uh, and I think what we need to do then is to talk about what, what some of those, you know, the way in which this excessive calcium works to cause autism. Yeah, um, that sounds great. That, does that sound like a, a good start anyway? <laughs> oh, definitely. Okay. I know, yeah, there's a lot to this, but with um, with the effects directly on, on what you see, is it relating to, to autism? Like, how is it contributing so much to that? Well, you know, autism, l let, me, let me just say, autism is an in incredibly complex disease. And so I don't want to suggest that I'm, uh, you know, trying to oversimplify it because I'm not. But with all such diseases, you have to look for what things are most central to them. And with autism, I think what is uh, is most central to uh, to the to the mechanism is disruption of the synapse formation in the developing brain. Um, so you know, it, it, so during the perinatal period, the period that occurs uh, before birth and after birth. Uh, there are very, very large numbers of synapses that are, are formed that have to be formed properly for the brain to function properly. So there's a, a tremendous, there's, during that time period, uh, the brain is forming, you know, uh, huge numbers of synapses. And so anything that disrupts the formation of the proper synapses is going to cause serious problems. And I think that's basically what we're seeing with autism is that that's going on now. Um, and, and, and what is true is that there are five mechanisms which are known to regulate the formation of those synapses. And let me just tell you what they are. Uh, there's the formation of uh, dendritic outgrowth. So the, 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 the neurons in the brain that are developing have to form these outgrowths to form synapses. Then you get synapse formation, you get synapse maturation, you get 
synapse elimination because sometimes you get the wrong synapses initially formed and you got to get rid of them. And then there's another function, which is uh, MCPCP2 function, which also has a role in this whole process. All five of those things are regulated by intracellular calcium. All five of them. And so what that means is that anything that gives you excessive calcium in the cell, inappropriate levels of calcium in the cell, or even low calcium levels in the cell, can produce uh, autism or at least an autism-like um, uh, effect because through the through that uh, that the, through those impacts on the synapse formation. That's the kind of central argument that I've I've made and uh, I, I think is the is the central thing in autism. Now um, there are actually three ways in which um, in which synapse formation I think is impacted in autism. Um, and so one of them I think is the EMFs through through the VGCCs. Um, through VGCC activation. Um, there's a second one, however, because chemicals can also act uh, by uh, activating what are known as NMDA receptors to produce excessive calcium in the cell. So those those can all can all work. Like Sorry. any any chemicals, basically, and toxins. Any toxins we're talking about. Well, not any, but a large number of them. Right. And, okay. And so there are a large number of, of toxic chemicals. Now the chemicals act along different pathways. They're not direct effects on the NMDA receptors, with uh, maybe one or two exceptions. Uh, okay. They act along different pathways. So the so the chemical action is more complex than what we're talking about with EMFs, where you have, you know, one particular set of targets that are involved, the VGCCs. Um, but you, you can get effects from um, a number of different pesticides, from organic solvents, from uh, mercury and other toxic metals, uh, and from a number of other things like hydrogen sulfide, for example. Um, and, um, you know, so there are a number of, of types of chemicals that can act uh, to uh, also to increase intracellular calcium, and they may be able then to produce autism through through that process. We need to take a really short break right here, but when sure. we come back, we can get we can um, finish up with the synapse formation, the the three ways some of these mm -hmm. chemicals, some of these these interference pieces. So, um just mm -hmm. actually uh that would be a great place for us to to come back to because uh, I know this is really really important information. Um stay with us. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host Karen Thomas, and today we are talking with Dr. Martin Paul about autism and electromagnetic field interference. And before the break, we were discussing a little bit about synapse formation. Now, synapse is, again, how, how our, our brain's messengers sort of uh, connect with each other, how our, how, so that, that just to clarify what's happening there. And we talked about a couple of ways, these calcium channels being interfered with and then chemicals and toxins. And then, Dr. Paul, you're talking, you wanted to discuss a little bit about the mutational effects of synapses. So there's a genetic piece here, or, or am I correct with that? Yeah. Yes, yes. Let, let me let me just say first of all uh, something about about the <clears throat> about the, about the whole issue of synapse formation. You have 
in the, the average uh, neuron in the brain has about 1,000 synaptic connections. And if I remember correctly, you've got something like uh, 10 to the ninth neurons or something in the brain. <laughs> anyway, you've got huge numbers. So we're, we're talking about absolutely astronomical numbers of synapses. And, you know, every one of them doesn't have to be right for the brain to function, but you've got to have a lot of right, right connections. So uh, this is a very complex area, and it's something which is, is you know, anything that disrupts the formation of synapses. Uh, can have these very powerful effects. Um, and, and let me just say one other thing about this. There is, there is some reason to think that, and I, I'm, I, I suspect your program has probably talked about these a lot, that even though the, the, the initial effects uh, in causing autism occur during this perinatal period, that you know, things that occur later uh, can produce substantial improvements in the situation. So it's not that because there's damage you necessarily are, are that it's all going to be forever. Um, nevertheless, it's a, it's a very complex thing, and, you, and, and uh, it's not, you know, this is a huge, huge thing. And what we need to do, of course, is to avoid the kinds of exposures that cause autism. Now, um, and, 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 and the world and, and our government is making it more and more difficult to do that with each passing day. Um, let's, um, now, uh, one of the other things about autism, which is probably the highest science that's ever been done in the autism is, is study autism genetics. And so something like 12 to 15% of autism individuals carries a new mutation, what's called a de novo mutation. So something which was not found in the, in the uh, original parent genomes, but is now a new mutation. Um, and, and, uh, and so these uh, are produced, you know, these, these are produced in the parents, obviously. And in fact, um, with regard to certain types of those mutations, the, uh, the male parent is probably more a bigger source than the female parent. So what that means is that anything that causes mutations in the parents can also increase the uh, occurrence of autism. Can I just ask really in, quickly why you say it's more uh, more pronounced in, um, in in males in the father than the, the mother? I mean, you hear so much about the the mother, and you know, I I work with healing the gut and a natural heavy mm-hmm. metal detoxification, all the the Lyme strap mm-hmm. and mold issues and everything. Um, yeah. And um, and so and and as, and thank you for saying it is things are reversible because. I share what I have with, with parents on this show and through other resources I, I offer on my website, et cetera. But I did recover my son from autism once when I was told that he could not recover. And so, yes, mm-hmm. I do like to tell parents and everybody's level is different. But mm-hmm. um, why, what is it about males? And, and then we can continue. But I was just curious. You just mentioned that. Um, wh- why is it the males are more, this is more uh, prominent in males with this genome mutation? Well, I mean, you know, it, it, I think it really has to do with the fact that in the, uh, you know, I mean, males are producing huge, huge, huge numbers of sperm all the time and over many years. And so there's much, there are many more cell divisions that where you can accumulate mutations over time uh, in oh. the production of the sperm. 
And so that's an issue. Now, you know, with in females, you have more more issues with chromosomal uh, changes in older mothers, but with uh, in, in, but with males, you've got a much bigger um, effects in terms of other types of mutations. And so, um, you know, with age and uh, and uh, and probably with uh, EMF exposures, because we know that. And, and so this is basically what I'm going to argue. We know that the um, uh, that the um, that the EMF exposures that we're commonly exposed to, you know, when you're you know cell phones and Wi-Fi and cell phone towers, et cetera, et cetera, have effects on the um, on 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 the DNA in in human sperm, and uh, and and that that in turn lead to the production of these mutations so um so uh that's that's important now what what's true is that when you activate these vgccs uh and you get the ex excessive intracellular calcium one of the things that happens as a consequence of that is you get excessive amounts of a compound called peroxynitrite which breaks down to form reactive free radicals, and those reactive free radicals attack the DNA of our cells, and uh, and so they uh, they produce uh, 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 germline mutations when they occur in uh, you know in in the germline cells, and uh, and so <clears throat> and um, when you look okay, so so there's there's two things. So how how do they, these mutations relate? Yeah. Okay, so the, these mutations then um, produce uh, various kinds of changes in the synapses, in the synapse formation, and uh, and, and some of them uh, it's known that the mutation directly impacts synapses, and others it seems to be an indirect effect. But you can get effects in that way, and uh, I guess we've pretty much run out of time here. But I, I'll, I'll say something afterwards about how how. How you how you go about uh, um, you know what what specific changes occur at the DNA level and and that they can form the kind of mutations that we see in autism. Okay, so, we're uh, going to take a, just a short break right here, and then when we come back, um, we will we'll jump in where we just left off. That sounds like a a, a, a great place because uh, synapses are really important, and we can kind of clarify that again for our audience as well. Uh, you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas. Please stay with us. We Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we have Dr. Martin Paul with us, and we are talking about autism as it's related to electromagnetic field pollution. And to remind you, I have created uh, some show notes for you with some, some links and to Dr. Paul's, some of his research at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 41, just the numbers 41, because this is show 41. And before the break, we were talking about some of these ways that mutations mutations can, can um, affect the synapses. And um, so, Dr. Paul, can you continue on and, 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 and help the audience understand why that is important? Yeah, it, it, you know, <clears throat> the mutations are very important because you know they have causal roles. And so even when you talk about the, the, the good majority of, of autism patients that, that don't have these, 
the mutations still tell you powerful things about what the mechanism of, you know, is involved in causing autism. And that's why, and that's why, so they're not just important for those people who have these mutations, they're important for everybody in terms of understanding mechanism. Now, so I said before that uh, these mutations tend to influence uh, the uh, formation of the synapses in the developing brain, uh, either directly or indirectly. And, uh, and, and so, but there's another, there's another thing when you look at mutations uh, that's important to look at, and that is what's happening at the DNA level. What kinds of DNA changes are, are producing these? And so the, the, the studies on the, on the de novo mutations have shown that you get chromosomal rearrangements. You get what are called copy number mutations. Uh, and you also get what are called point mutations, where you just have a, a single change in the DNA that is occurring. Uh, now, all three of those, it turns out, can be produced by the kind of DNA effects that you see following EMF exposures. And so that, that tells you that the EMFs um, in in the parents, you know, exposures in the parents, and as I say, it's, it's probably the male parent that's, that's the more important one here, can have roles in terms of causing autism. And there's, there was a study in Spain, for example, that showed that fathers who were, uh, were exposed to uh, higher levels of EMS in their occupation uh, produced uh, higher, higher levels of autism children. So uh, it's very difficult to understand that unless this is, that's a mutational effect. So, um, so, so, uh, so, so, uh, you know, EMFs have roles in this process uh, throughout this process. And let me just say, uh, Dr. Tori Jelter, who who's um, a physician in California, has found that with her patients, her autism patients, that if she puts them into a, a low EMF environment, she gets very substantial improvements in them. And so in that situation, even though there were changes produced during the perinatal period, after that period, you can still get effects from the EMFs and you can get improvements by, by lowering EMF exposures, according to her, her um, experience. So, um, you know, so there are lots of things that can can come into this, and I think it's you know it's important to uh, you know to obviously to do everything you can uh, to avoid these exposures. Right, um, and which leads us in also we've got five G coming where they're going to put it in satellites, so you know you could be at the at a you know up in the mountains and somewhere serene and 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 think that you're away from them, but the satellites can still be affecting you. So um, I have I have linked in the show notes uh, again um, for those listening to that uh, there is uh, there are some um, some uh, products that I have found in my research and I have I've researched many of them that I feel are some of the best to help harmonize the dangerous and harmful effects of electromagnetic field pollution that you can put on your phones or your cell phones and your computers and and on your home as well uh, and things that you can wear on your body. So I've linked to that again in the show notes, naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 41. So what are you thinking? You know, 5G is coming. You've written a paper on the hazards to it of our health. And I've linked to that also in the show notes, the paper that, are, that you've written on that. So, um, 
so with this constant exposure, uh, you know, and we're already seeing if, if you're seeing that a father who has an occupation that is affecting, you know, they're more affected by um, electromagnetic field. Maybe they're in a room filled with computers all day. I know it's really big in Silicon Valley in California where that the exposure is. I know electricians uh, tend to have uh, certain higher rates of, of certain well, cancers like leukemia, et cetera. But that, you know, if you have more, high, if you have higher exposure, depending on what your occupation is or your lifestyle. Uh, and I see, you know, moms when they have a cell phone in their pocket and they're pregnant, uh, you know, or they're tucking it in their pant, you know, waist and, and I just cringe. Same thing with, you know, so many children you see little kids are have, have a cell phone in their hand. And if that cell phone isn't protected, and then the, the body's not protected, and then, you know, unborn infants and small children because of and you can correct me if this is I've I've read many studies about it being um, their their cells being much more effective because it, I can't remember if they're more dense or less dense than adults, but they they're and their skeletal system is also uh, thinner, but they also have they have uh, the effects of EMFs are much more detrimental on a fetus, of course, and a young child. Correct. Yes. And yeah, there are four different important mechanisms which make uh, which cause uh, young people to be much more susceptible to the effects of the EMFs. Uh, one of them, as you just mentioned, is that their skulls are much thinner, and so their brains are much more exposed. Uh, and the and the second one has to do with the effects on the on the uh, on the on the formation of the synapses that we've already talked about. There are two others that also come into this, and that namely that the the tissues uh, in uh, have have uh, in young people have much more water, extracellular water. That makes them more susceptible as well, and that's been talked about by Dr. Deborah Davis. Uh, and then there there are issues with the the stem cells. The stem cells in the um, in young people have much higher numbers of stem cells, and those are highly sensitive. And that's been talked about by uh, Dr. Igor Belyaev. So uh, so there's several things that you know that such that. Young children really need to be much more highly protected. And I think it's, you know, we, we should not have Wi-Fi in schools. We should uh, certainly not have cell phone towers in schools. Uh, you know, I mean, we're doing so many stupid things. It's just incredible. Right. And you can find out where cell towers are. Um, there's uh, antennasearch.com, but they're starting to, if, if you know that they're going to be putting a cell tower in near where you live or near your um, your child's school or any school for that mm -hmm. matter, um, then mm -hmm. uh, I know people who have stepped forward and protested it and they actually didn't put it in, put the cell tower near the school. Um, so you do have a voice and it's important for parents to know that as well. If you uh, find that out, this is happening um, and, uh, to prevent that because or where you live as well um you know the school's going to probably have a little bit more clout than them wanting to put it in a neighborhood but uh yeah it's very important to make sure that you're doing all you can to protect yourself we're going to take a really short break right here you're listening to naturally recovering autism stay with us hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism i'm your host karen thomas and today we are talking with dr martin paul who is a specialist in uh an electromagnetic field interference, and we're talking today about how it's related to 
autism. So Dr. Paul, can you talk about the role of mutations? Just before the break, we we're talking about why children are more susceptible. So, you know, these, these uh, voltage-gated calcium channels are, I know, a big deal. And I know that you're kind of, you're, you're like the guy who, who's been doing the studies on that. So can you talk about some of these mutations that we're seeing due to these calcium channel interruptions? Yeah, I mean, what what I what what is true? Okay, so you get when when you get um, the um, when 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 the DNA the DNA is impacted in our cells from the EMFs in three different ways. You get single-stranded breaks in the cellular DNA. You get double-stranded breaks in the cellular DNA, and you get oxidized bases in the cellular DNA. In each of those can produce uh, important mutational changes. So you get uh, chromosomal uh, rearrangements from the double-stranded breaks. You get copy number mutations from both double-stranded and single-stranded breaks. And then you get, uh, you get what are called point mutations, where you have just get single, single base pair changes in the DNA. Now, all three of those are found to, go, to be uh, causing the de novo mutations in autism. And so, uh, so we have reason to think that all three of those, we, we know that all three of those can be produced through these DNA effects that are produced by the VGCC. That doesn't prove that they're actually producing the mutations, but it, they, it makes it highly plausible that they are. So, um, so, so this is another way in which EMF exposure can cause increases in autism, namely by increasing the, uh, the numbers of mutations uh, that are occurring in, uh, that, that, that cause these, uh, that are found in these uh, de novo mutations. So, um, so that's, you know, that's, uh, um, that, that's something that's important to know. Uh, let me just say that, um, so maybe we should talk about 5G. Um, I mean, I have to say I am probably the world's biggest pessimist about 5G. I think that 5G will be an absolute total disaster and that this is, and I've, sta I've stated this on a number of occasions, this is, this is, in my judgment, the stupidest thing that anybody's ever done um, is to put out 5G. Now, why do I say that? I mean, this makes me sound like an idiot, I guess. Um, I say that, first of all, because 5G is designed to be extraordinarily highly pulsed, to carry huge amounts of information per second, and, and those, the information is carried by these pulsations. And we have this huge literature which shows that pulsations are, uh, pulsed EMFs are much more biologically active than our non-pulsed EMFs. And so the pulsations are very important in terms of biological effects. And, and that specifically that you get when you get short pulses, including nanosecond pulses, uh, they go through the VGCC mechanism. And, and so they're highly active in, uh, in activating the VGCCs. And, um, and so, you know, when you have this combination, and there's even <coughs> evidence that... <coughs> Excuse me, my, my throat's climbing. There's even evidence that when you have two nanosecond pulses within a few microseconds of each other, 
that they act in a super additive effect. Uh, they they produce much higher effects than you predict predict by based on the individual ones, the individual effects of the two. You get super additive effects, uh, and you can get and so all of this argues that 5G will be extraordinarily damaging because of the extraordinary high level of, of pulsations. And, 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 and it's also true that the uh, millimeter waves which are used to, uh, in 5G uh, are expected to be extraordinarily dangerous as well. So you have a combination of two things of extraordinary danger in here. You've got the millimeter waves and, and the, and the high level of pulsations, extraordinary high level of pulsations. I, I, I think this is just an incredible disaster. And I don't, I, I, you know, I, I find it incredible that we could possibly be doing anything um, <clears throat> so stupid as putting out 5G without doing any biological test, uh, safety testing on it. All the assurances of safety are based on, on these so-called safety guidelines, which we know are completely false. They have no biological relevance whatsoever, and they are—they simply do not predict um, biological effects, and therefore do not predict safety. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, now there's one other thing about 5G that's important, and that is the industry claims that um, that the uh, that the millimeter waves um, don't penetrate well into and won't produce any effects that are penetrating more than about one millimeter into the body. We know, in fact, that that's not true from millimeter wave studies that have been published that show that these effects are much more penetrating, at least 20 times more penetrating, and possibly much more than that, than the industry claims is possible. And so, uh, you know, the industry makes all these claims, and they just simply are not, are they're, they're simply not right. So it's the 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 pulsations, the short pulsations of the five G are twenty times more penetrating than no, than, no, what, than it's it's the frequency. It's the frequency. Used. Okay. See, okay. So so the problem. Okay. The the problem with five G is they're using these millimeter waves, which are absorbed um, in materials in in our body materials and in uh, in, um, you know, in building materials. So they need huge numbers of these, uh, of these antennae in order to work through building. That's another problem with 5G. Now, the problem is the stuff that's absorbed is actually just the electrical parts of the EMS. The magnetic parts are highly penetrating. And what happens with the magnetic parts, they go through your body, and when they do that, they uh, they put forces on the on the ions that are dissolved in the, in the water in our bodies and move them and when they do that they regenerate the electrical parts deeply within the body now the the VGCCs have a structure called the voltage sensor which is the thing that regulates their opening and the forces on the voltage sensor are incredibly strong that are produced so you only need a very weak a very weak electrical force to open them, uh, electrical. Uh, and so, so, uh, so one predicts then, and, and as I said, we know that the, uh, that the EMS produce 
effects much more deeply than the industry claims is possible. And I think that's the way it's working is through these magnetic fields, which are highly penetrating. And so all the claims that the industry makes are just simply wrong. I mean, they do this over and over and over again. And, and where we have good empirical evidence, the empirical evidence says it's wrong. So, uh, you know, you do get effects of millimeter waves uh, much more deeply than the industry claims is possible. There are four different uh, uh, studies. One of them is a review and the others are primary literature studies that show that you get deep effects. So, in, in so, how do you see this then? You know, affecting humans in the future. I mean, more babies, more children, more just more people in general and their health. Um, you know, I mean, I know you've done a lot of research here. So, and and we're looking at you know some you know possibilities. So, I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are for for uh, the future with this. We need to take a very short break here, but uh, when we come back we'll um, we'll finish up with that um, that question. You're listening to naturally recovering autism. Hi there, and welcome back to naturally recovering autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas, and today we are talking with Dr. Martin Paul about electromagnetic field pollution and the the biological effects on the human body and in its relationship to autism. And I have linked to the show notes at naturally recovering autism.com forward slash 41 just the numbers 41 and there are some uh, some studies and some information there for you on dr. Paul's work as well on some of the things that we're talking about for further details and before the break we were talking about um, you know I, I had asked you dr. Paul about how this 5g network is looking at you know affecting our our health and the health of our our babies our children or even the adults of the future so um, you know as autism has been on the rise now, it's up to one in 39 kids being diagnosed. And it's, it's, you know, it's concerning. That's where, you know, some of these solutions that um, I link to on that show notes page as well are very helpful. Um, so just, do you have any thoughts for, for the future or anything more that you'd really like to add? Well, my thoughts, uh, my concern is that we don't have a future. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, um, let, 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 let me just say something about the autism issue, because, you know, at, at least with that, it is possible to greatly lower exposures. Um, you know, one women can wear, um, you know, you can buy um, large T-shirts that have little metal fibers in it that help to screen the body. It helped uh, from uh, these EMFs. And, uh, and you can, you know, you can have... Uh, so, 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 uh, pregnant women can, can wear things like that, uh, underneath their clothes. They don't have to look at them. Um, but, um, and help, help protect the fetus. I think, um, <clears throat> and you know, and you can, you can keep the newborn baby in a, in a, or at least to the extent you can in a low EMF environment also by using shielding, um, of various sorts. So, you know, it is possible to do that. It's difficult, but it's possible. My problem is that with 5G is that um, I think there are going to be absolute disasters from 5G that will simply destroy us and destroy us quickly. I think we're already having large effects on our on our brain function, on the structure of our brains. And here I'm talking about adults and, and uh, as well as younger people. Um, there are massive effects on our brains already 
from the exposures we have. There are, uh, there are large effects on our reproductive system. Um, I'm predicting that we will see crashes in our reproduction to zero just simply based on the exposures we already have. And we're starting to see those in three East Asian countries now. Um, and uh, that are both, they're all uh, high density, high technology areas. Um, I think that, and I think the rest of us are all going to fall off the reproductive cliff quickly based on the, on the exposures we already have. And, um, and so 5G will be an extraordinary increase in these, in these effects that I, I think will be, uh, you know, th this, this will be a terminal if, uh, if, if they really put in 5G and if it expands the way they're, they're predicting it will. Um, we're in extraordinary trouble. That's my, that's my prediction based on the frequencies and based on this extraordinary high level of pulsations and based on the fact that we know these effects are much more penetrating than the industry claims is possible. Right. Well, and you've done so much research and your background is extensive. And um, that's why I think it was so valuable uh, today to have you on the show. And thank you again for being here because you know, from somebody to hear it from you and to help the understanding. Now, I know we've probably created a fear factor. <laughs> and I also do want to make sure, you know, uh, if you're listening, that I have linked to uh, an episode I did recently on how to protect yourself and your family from the harmful effects of electromagnetic field pollution. So there are things that you can do. Please find all of that. And the show notes today will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 41, just the numbers 41. And then please join us next week where we will be talking about mast cell activation and how it could be hijacking your autism protocol. Um, I have a special guest coming with us then, so please tune in. Thank you for being here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Have a great week, and we will see you.